You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma, Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's happening. Right, folks. Welcome into Amateur Hour. I am your fill-in host for today, His Darkness, and joining me today, the man who tied the knot this weekend and finally popped his Duran cherry and has a new greatest 13 seconds in his life. It's Ryan Scott Hall. Hey, that is me. That's very nice, Dirk. Thank you. For acknowledging uh, my great accomplishments, uh, I am spoken for. Got a ring on it and everything. It's silicone, folks. Spared no expense. We, we just lost half our audience by you saying that you are spoken for. Way to go. Oh, sorry, ladies. Uh, what, what's that? That was uh, in that thing you do. Like, watch out, ladies. He's got a girlfriend. And then Jimmy freaks out. <laughs> Uh, I think everybody was wondering why I missed the wedding, um, and the answer is pretty simple. And I had reservations at Skyline Chili that I simply could not break, mm-hmm. um, so I was not able to make it. I've I've apologized to you in, in private, and now I will do it publicly. Is that a restaurant or like a style? <laughs> I've never been to Cincinnati. Uh, I think if I went, it would be for a Chiefs game. And I would want to eat, like, begrudgingly eat the skyline to be like, I'm going to, like, consume my enemy's power. Like, I'm I, if I eat the skyline, I will absorb its strength. That's I mean, that's what I was doing all week. I, I was having some existentialist crises during the bye week. I take these hard. I, I need the Chiefs every week. Otherwise, I'm trying on Broncos helmets. I'm eating skyline chili. Um, you know, I'm wearing a Jaguars jersey right here. Um, it's been a long week. Um, but here is the plan for today, folks. Uh, we are resting the starters, and that's why we got Dirk under center. So, so get ready, folks. Um, and since the bye week is time for reflection, we are going to revisit the ten questions we asked before the season. Um, but the but before that, um, I have a bonus question, and that's where we're going to start, and we're going to help set the table for the rest of 2023 with this here question. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> Shout out to uh, Party Down for anyone who got that. 
but yeah, I just want to do a quick, I've, I've had this on the docket for a few weeks now. We haven't been able to get to it. Um, I can really sense the frustration from Chiefs fans all season long. Um, you know, it's possible this is a Twitter thing, but that is kind of our Chiefs family at this point. You know, we have our privates um, here at home or here and there that we talk to. Um, but I think a lot of us, uh, you and I, and then a lot of people listening, just, you know, spend a lot of time on Twitter. And it's just a lot of people frustrated about, you know, the wide receiver room, um, the, the team just not looking the, the same that we're used to, uh, you know, third and shorts, fourth down decisions, all of this, all of this. Uh, so I just want to make sure everybody is enjoying this season. So just a quick reminder to everybody that we are in the midst of Patrick Mahomes prime and that each and every NFL fan base would trade spots with us right now in a second. And we might not ever be in this situation again as fans. So we had better enjoy it. And after sitting through three and a half hours of watching the worst quarterback I've ever seen play for the University of Nebraska, I'm going to make damn sure that I appreciate the best quarterback that I've ever seen, who is so good that he is having by far his worst season and yet remains the clear-cut favorite to win an NFL MVP. He's actually might be second today. He kind of lost the favorite to Jalen Hurts over the bye week. Both had bye weeks. I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. But the point remains, he is still one of the contenders to win NFL MVP in a down year. Um, this is kind of reminiscent of us winning a Super Bowl in a down year or in a rebuilding year last year. Um, but sitting back in our bye week and taking it all in served as a great reminder that all NFL teams are imperfect, which is what makes this sport so great. I mean, just look around the league. Our top two rivals, the Bills and Bengals, both currently out of the playoffs, looking in. The Ravens were the hot team in the league. They lose at home. The Texans are everybody's darling now. But just two weeks ago, they lost to the lowly Panthers. The ebbs and flows of an NFL season are wild, like waves in the ocean, man. So I just want to make sure that Chiefs fans are riding those waves and not drowning in them. So yes, losing to the Broncos sucked. Sure, I would like to have better receivers. And you better believe we should still be playing Gary Glitter at a sponsorless Arrowhead Stadium. But, just my two cents, now we get to watch some of the best to ever do it. Go back to the lab during the bye week where Andy Reid thrives and get a chance to solve this in a Super Bowl rematch at home in primetime with a chance for Andy Reid to pass Hank Stram as the all-time leader in wins in franchise history against his former team. Uh, and I just don't think it gets better than that, folks. So I just want to make sure everyone's enjoying their season. It's at the table for 2023. That's what I got. That's my opening monologue. Loved it, Dirk. Uh, you make some very salient points. Um, I've kind of, I've, that been, I've been thinking about this and I, I have a slightly different like approach or take here. I am miserable. <laughs> I've, I'm not miserable. Um, but it is, it has been, um, I would say nine challenging weeks. Um, but here, here's here's what I think. Here's why. Here's why. During the Andy Reid era, I'd say 70%, maybe even more than 70% of the time, attention and energy that we give to the Chiefs. It's been about Andy Reid. It's been about the offense and more importantly, his quarterbacks. This is what we do here. We talk about the offense. 
And he is, without question, one of the best offensive head coaches in NFL history. He's about to become, as you mentioned, the winningest coach for two different franchises, by the way. Already the winningest coach in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. And they're no slouch in terms of being a franchise, all right? This isn't like the Panthers we're talking about here. Uh, just bear, sorry, bear, burying some of the, the more recent joiners to the NFL. Both um, of us buried the Panthers in our opening monologue. Suck it, Panthers. No, well, ah, David Depper. <laughs> um, look, he's about to become the winningest coach for two separate historic NFL franchises. He has the best player in the world running things on the field. And yet still somehow. He's coaching a defensive football team in 2023. With that in mind, I'm personally like wrestling with the fact that I feel unprepared to talk about this team in multiple ways. Let's think about it. Let's just put this in perspective. Although I saw great defenses while attending Schottenheimer University in my youth, I was basically a boy at that time. Okay? Basically a boy. And since then, as I've grown up and watched this game, it has changed significantly. Now, suddenly it feels like the year of the defense, both in Kansas City and across the NFL, and we're all, except maybe Craig, severely out of practice when it comes to giving the defense not just equal, but perhaps even a slight majority of the attention. The Chiefs' defense, to me, they are the story of this season, and yet... Our bottom line confidence depends on Patrick Mahomes. It, No matter how good all the other things are, we believe in Patrick Mahomes. We believe because of Patrick Mahomes. It's almost the polar opposite of the Alex Smith era where they had to perfect everything to support him and we still struggled to buy in because we knew how thin the margin of error was. Well, now, even though... The Chiefs have a ton of non-Mahomes advantages, including one of the best units in all of football, run by a bona fide postseason hero in Steve Spagnolo. It's still against our nature, especially in the modern era of Chiefs fans, to think about this team winning a championship, quote-unquote, because of the defense. And yet that may be the way this season. I think it's going to be a bumpy ride for us trying to learn how to really lead with the defense because that's what the team is doing. And that's, I think we need to honor that as we cover them. But look, we're always going to try to steer everybody in the right direction. Welcome to amateur hour. Uh, it, it might be a little wonky at times. I'm trying to figure it out, but I, I genuinely am at times kind of at a loss as to how to talk about a football team that is defense first, suddenly in 2023, it just runs against everything that we've accustomed, like grown accustomed to over the last few years. So I, I think that that might in some ways explain like that that kind of discomfort that fans are feeling, um, maybe distaste that they have for how the season is playing out a little bit, at least as far as you know the smoothness of the offense or whatever. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Nice. I love it. I love it. Waxing poetic about the defense? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a crazy time. I mean, the Chiefs and Eagles are about to kick off here. Uh, I think I think most people would agree the unquestioned two best teams in the league right now, and yet both of them have their clear deficiencies. Uh, Chiefs offense not playing up to par. 
um, and the Eagles' pass defense can really get got. I mean, if you can block them up front, that secondary has been chopped liver for most of this year. Um, and we're going to do a little Chiefs-Eagles preview at the end, um, but we are going to start off with these 10 questions. But first, we are going to take a break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, folks, registration is now open for the boys and girls clubs of Greater Kansas City's Basketball League. This league is a great inductory, introductory, in fact, experience for any young person just developing their hooping skills. Um, All the games are played on Saturdays. They start up in January, so you still have time to kind of get in here. And remember, folks, as we've told you the last few weeks, the postseason tournament for these kids that are really just trying to cut their teeth in the game It actually is played at the CBE, the nationally recognized college basketball experience. So register your child today. What's the, what do you got to lose? Check the link in the show notes. Get your kids signed up. Let's play some hoops. Looking for a way to make a big impact in Kansas City? Boys and girls clubs of greater Kansas City need sponsors for their sports teams and leagues. Help local kids while promoting your business throughout the metro. Email giving at helpkckids.com. Dot org for more information. Go on and do it. Go on and do it. We should sponsor one. We should sponsor one as a podcast. A little amateur hour team. I like that. Who's going to coach? I mean, I'm technically here, but I'm not volunteering to coach basketball. I hear Ken Dorsey is looking for a job. Oh, oh hey, yo. 
Uh, Ken Dorsey, if I remember, do I have this in my mind correctly? Ken Dorsey was like the 27-year-old national champion quarterback at Miami? No, I'm sure. I think you're thinking of Chris Winky at Florida State. Uh, Ken oh, Dorsey was normal age. He might have been a little older, but he was. He led that great Miami team that everybody looks back at uh, with all the terrible two things. Yeah, and I, I thought Ken Dorsey was really good. I, I always thought he would be good in the pros, but he that was one of those things. All right, let's get into the 10 questions because we got a lot to get through today. Um, and mm. doubtful we're going to get through it in a whole in just an hour. We're going to make producer Nick stay way over time. We didn't tell him that beforehand. And that was on purpose, so suck on that, Nick. Um, but question number one. So these are the 10 questions we asked prior to the season. We're just going to kind of look at them um, and fly through them, see um, whatever jumps out, and see, you know, we're going to kind of reflect on the entire season up to this point um, and, and take it from there. Uh, question number one from the season. What can the Chiefs learn from the 2020, se 2020 season to help them in 2023? Honestly, I thought I'd be following this a lot closer than I'd have all season. Um, but I've never really questioned if this team was really fat and happy with their success. Like this question was kind of driven by does the team keep their edge or do they give into like the disease of more kind of thing? Um, and that's where they just don't really have that fight. Um, I have never really questioned their effort at any point this season. Um, I think it's just been an offensive struggle. I don't, and I, that's nothing effort wise. Uh, but this is all a good thing. Uh, I've never really drawn back to that season too much. Um, and I've enjoyed the season much more, to be honest. That season was just kind of a snooze. I don't know. Maybe it was just the, the COVID fans. I thought it was coming off that Super Bowl and it was just kind of like the regular season was kind of a bore after, you know, sitting through a playoffs and experiencing your first Super Bowl like that. And really, I've, I don't know. It's just, it feels different this season. I'm, I'm locked in pretty much every week. Um, and, you know, the close games kind of keep it like that. But uh, anything to add on this first question here, Ryan? Uh, if you guys don't remember, I I went back and looked today. 2020, obviously, we know it's the COVID year. Run it back, blah, blah, blah. Um, The Raiders won in week five. The Chiefs were 4-0. They lose to the Raiders at Arrowhead, and the Raiders do the victory lap thing. The Chiefs then rattle off 10 straight victories and rest their starters against the Chargers for their second loss of the season. Um, this team was essentially, I, I want to say, untested. Um, they they lose the one game to a division rival, and that was literally that team's Super Bowl. Uh, and apart from that, the Super Bowl was a disaster because of these many extenuating circumstances, but largely injuries on the offensive line, and a huge distraction off the field with Andy Reid's son. Um and so, like, I don't, I, I want to be able to look back because, hey, you won a Super Bowl and what happened the next year. But it just seems like 2020 was so unique that there's not necessarily a lot that we can take from it. Um, I do think that they also went through a lot of roster changes this offseason. And in 2019 to 2020, it was literally let's let's get the band back together, try to keep everybody on on board. So, Which I think is really important. I think you always kind of want guys who haven't won before and they want to get their first taste. And I think that helps other guys rally around them. Um, and you're know, like, we want to get help get him a ring. Like, I know Mahomes and Kelsey have rings, but like, we want to win this for, you know, Jarek McKinnon. Like, he's a veteran in this league, been here a long time. Like, he cares about winning a lot. And we want to kind of go out there and win one for him and like see other guys on your team experience that feeling uh, as long as you, as, as well as you experience it again. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. But 
that question was kind of a whiff. Over one on preseason questions, I can take that. That's right. I start out the season just like the Chiefs. That's fun. I can bounce back. Um, preseason question number two here is the new Chris Jones the forever Chris Jones? Um, and this was just kind of we saw a different Chris Jones in the 2022 season that we hadn't really seen before, in my opinion. Uh, he was just kind of locked in. Um, there have been questions before about him bringing it, you know, on 100% of the snaps, um, always locked in, kind of taking plays off, drives off, maybe even games off. Um, and we didn't really see that last year. And he came through time and time again with uh, sacks in the fourth quarter, making big plays, all the way up to the AFC Championship game when he got his revenge against Joe Burrow after missing the sack against him in 2021. Uh, so it was a really poetic season for Chris Jones. And my question was just kind of, you know, we were asking a lot of questions about his contract at the time, but like, is that is that the Chris Jones that we're going to keep seeing? And I got to say, I'm not so sure. Um, he feels like he's kind of back to like his one splash play a week kind of ways. Um, haven't really seen the big plays at the end of games, and he's been quiet for about three weeks now. Like, I'm not saying he's been bad. Chris Jones is still really good, um, and he's a big part of this defense that is really good. So I'm not um, shitting at him, but like a, a lot of this question is kind of looking forward to, you know, do we want to pay Chris Jones a uh, huge money on a multi-year deal next year? Um, and that's kind of this is the kind of question you got to ask yourself if you're going to do that. Um, so I think I, I don't really know how to answer this question. I. I don't think he's been as good as he was last year. Um, but, you know, there's still time. And I'm not, like, disappointed in his season, even though I think he has had a, you know, a quiet couple weeks the last few years. What are your thoughts on Chris Jones? I, I find myself in a really interesting spot with him because it really felt like, especially when he got on the field in week two, um, it's just like, oh, Gosh, this dude is dynamite. That um, week, that and, and week, get, twenty twenty two of Chris Jones. Sorry. Um, I, I definitely when you mentioned the splash plays, like going back to kind of one splash play a week, it does kind of feel like that's where we're at. Um, I was also one of the things I was really curious about to see how it plays this season is like. Chris Jones led the league in defensive snaps at his position last year. Um, he was number one in his position in all these different categories, but like that, that playing the most snaps was a huge deal to me because we had always kind of questioned his fitness and his effort on some of those run plays where it's like, do you even want him on the field that much? Like, would you rather him be able to pick his spots and use him kind of sparingly? Um, and I look at these past three weeks when he broke the sack streak uh, three weeks ago. Um, so he's, he, now we're talking three, uh, the three most recent games for Chris Jones. Gosh, I really fumbled that. Forgive me. Um, the last three games for Chris Jones, 86%, 74%, and like 86% again of the snaps. So he's still playing a really high percentage. He's basically getting the most snaps of anybody on our defense outside of uh, people like Sneed and Reed uh, and McDuffie, I think. Uh, Chris Jones is is way up there. Um, it's looking doubtful that he hits the defensive player of the year or the 15-sack incentives that he added to his contract. Um, but nothing is fully out of reach. These things can come in bunches. He might, against the Eagles, go have three sacks and suddenly, like, oh, shit, here he comes. Um, I do think that he has an opportunity 
over the final, let's call it seven games of the year rather than eight, because you know that last game is usually Chiefs resting people. Um, he's got an opportunity to really put himself on the map and earn himself a lot of money. Uh, it's a contract year, so we'll see. And ultimately, I do think that where it matters, I guess, for the Chiefs um, is whether or not they believe it. Whether whether we believe it or not doesn't necessarily matter. But if the team believes we can get this kind of play and this kind of production out of Chris Jones for the next two or three or four seasons, however much money we want to give him, um, then that might sway their decision. But ultimately, I think uh, he's probably going to be playing elsewhere in 2024. That's what you think? What do you think right now? I I think so. I kind of think so, too. It seemed like maybe it soured a little bit. Uh, But, man, there was a time early in the season I was just like, Chris Jones is in the conversation for best defensive player in the league. Um, I don't think I would quite put him there now. I think there's definitely a tier, uh, you know, Garrett and Watt and uh, Bosa, maybe maybe a couple other guys that are, I think, a clear head above him. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, he's that's that's a tough class to be in. Being yeah, he's very best. It's tough to tough to do. Um, but yeah, interesting to keep your eye on. All right, let's move on. Number three here. Do the Chiefs have enough pass rush? around Chris Jones, Puff Puff. Uh, so this question, we were really worried about the Chiefs' pass rush outside of Chris Jones, especially over the first six weeks of the season because we had the Jones holdout, which we didn't know how it was going to go, the Omenehu suspension, obviously, and then Felix in his rookie year, and it was just like, all right, I mean, we need basically George Karloftis and Mike Dana to take big steps here, and they both did. Um, this this question is kind of an answered in a resounding yes, um, the, the theory behind the question here was the sacks per year. Um, so then, then the chiefs, two Super Bowl years, 2022 and 2019, they ranked second and 11th in sacks. And in the two years that they did not win in the Super Bowl, 2020 and 2021, uh, they were 30th and 19th in sacks. Um, so it was kind of like a theory that like for this defense to be good, they need to be able to get up for the quarterback and get sacks. Um, I mean, we've obviously seen at this point that the chiefs defense is good and they also rank second in sacks, even Coming out of the bye week, um, so the Chiefs have passed this with flying colors. Um, you know, George taking a big step. Dana Salt in a player. Amina, who has flashed in his few games here at Jones, is still really good. Um, I would love to see more Felix personally, um, but, you know, it's just kind of a tough room to break into right now. Uh, what are your thoughts on the pass row so far? I mean, they're among the best in the league, uh, especially if you're just looking at the actual pass rush production numbers. Karloftis continues to be in like the top five in pressures. The Chiefs uh, before the bye week were number two in sacks. Um, and it's largely due to this uncharacteristically fast start from Spags and Friends, despite the fact that they didn't have Chris Jones in week one and they didn't have Charles Aminahu for the first, what was it, five or six games. I think that the answer has to be that, yes, they have enough around Chris Jones, regardless of how you look at this question. Like if you if you look at strictly on the defensive line, guys like Karloftis and Dana and and even Derek Nottie, even uh Treshawn Warden, like you are getting consistent uh production from these guys. They're making an impact on a down-to-down basis. But you can also look at all of these auxiliary pieces, both in coverage and when blitzing, and they're making everything easier. So, like, I, I don't care if you want to look just at the defensive line or you want to look at Spags being able to 
Blitz Sneed and McDuffie and the linebackers and the safeties and everything else. You know, I, I mean, even Jalen Watson got on the action uh, against Miami. And, and so I just, I, I don't, it's, it's, it's bags. Which we're going to get to here in question for us. That's a very direct lead in. Um, I, I actually listened to our preseason pods to prepare for this here podcast just to um, see what we're talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of like to go back and you know, What's you the AHBKC all 22. Yeah. Yeah. You got to self scout. You got to know what the uh, the fans are looking at, uh-huh. um, you know, coming into, you know, down the stretch here. We got to see what, where we're at. Uh, but a couple fun quotes here from us, from Ryan. It's going to be a slow start on defense no matter what. <laughs> Of course, it's, what I, it's certainly how it looks. <laughs> From Dirk, it might just be survival mode on defense at the beginning of the season. <laughs> we were we were not jacked about this defense before the season. Uh, I actually came in at the end with George might be the key to this team. Um, you know, with all the questions around the defensive line and needing a pass rush, you know, the first guy you're going to look at is your first round pick from last year, George Karloftis. Um, and I would say he's answered that in a big way. Uh, like, I don't think he's a star or anything yet, but he is better than I thought he would be when we drafted him, and he's better than he thought he would be coming into this year. So he has surpassed my expectations expectations pretty much every step uh, along the way. So I've been very impressed with George Karloffis. Um But that led directly into question four, like I said, are the Chiefs cornerbacks strong enough to unleash the Spags? Um, and this was, you know, boy, talk about a resounding yes. Um, you know, you kind of talked about it, getting all these sacks, a lot of it. I mean, just look at the Dolphins game. That's all, that's all I got to look at it. All the pieces flying in from the edge, all these safeties that can blitz, all these corners that can come in off the edge and their coverage skills is really completely unleashing the spags. Um, we went into depth on this last week. If you want to hear us talk about spags, the, you know, from the 40 minute mark on last week's pod, uh, we just gushed over Spagnolo. Where I thought I had an original idea calling him the Chiefs MVP. Little did I know that every single person on this here network was going to join me in calling him the Chiefs MVP. Uh, I tried to get out in front of it. Didn't quite get out in front of it. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll join the party. I'll, I'll sit around and hang out with the guys. I don't have to be first. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on, you know, the corner so far and and Spags getting unleashed and, and everything here in, in the back end? I think we already, like, suspected to a certain extent that at least as far as Snead and McDuffie were concerned, like we've got a couple of good ones. Uh, you know, we, we liked Watson. Uh, you and I, I think liked Watson more than Williams. There are other people that seem to prefer Williams and the athleticism that he brings to the table. Um, look, I, I still think though, that regardless of how we felt entering the season, it's been an absolutely like meteoric rise for this group as a whole. It's kind of staggering how quickly all of the corners on this team have adapted. Uh, and really, if you even want to extend it to the safeties and just say the back end, you've got new roles for a lot of the veterans, whether it's Sneed, mostly, almost exclusively playing outside. Um, Justin Reed is not really playing at the back of the defense anymore. Um, most of the time, he's closer to the line of scrimmage and covering tight ends and stuff. Um, you've got new careers for all of these young guys. And, and even if you want to go back to the veterans, like tranquil, um, is back in the middle because of Bolton, but like trying to find his spot in this defense, Mike Edwards being more of a sub player, 
Um, I mean, you've got a lot of different guys, and then you also have new signings coming in. Like, I this defense wasn't like here's a whole bunch of entrenched starters that have been playing their positions and they've been playing together forever. It's still a lot of guys that are adapting, particularly in that secondary. And they still are rotating guys, too. Like, whether it's Williams or Watson any given week, who knows? And... Just hearing? I, yeah. And, and honestly, um, really the guy, I think, that that jumps out to me is the person I think I least expected it from. And this dates all the way back to the time that he was drafted. And, you know, it's a little easy to say something like, I didn't expect a lot from Jalen Watson, who was a seventh-round pick. All right? But I really didn't expect much from Brian Cook. I never did. They took him in the second round, and I saw, okay, so he initially went to Howard, and then he transferred to Cincinnati, and he did a couple good things, but he was on this loaded defense full of guys that were all being drafted in the first, like, three rounds. It seemed like they reached on a guy that they kind of liked, but Brian Cook didn't feel like he was really in the conversation as a second rounder to me. Um, and now in year two, there are moments where I think he's our best safety. Um, he's constantly around the ball. He's an absolutely exceptional tackler. Um, obviously, we're kind of recency bias going out on a high note before the bye week with the, the touchdown return. Boy, could gallop. But I'm telling you, man, um, I think that Brian Cook is kind of my big surprise defensively so far this year. Um, you you can point in any number of directions, but he really feels like a leader and, and, and a very important player on that back end, and I did not expect him to be this good this fast at all. And, I mean, going to Brian Cook, I saw a stat today that was kind of charting explosive plays allowed on defense, uh, and the Chiefs were second to last in you know most explosive plays allowed on defense um, through the pass. Um, and a lot of that points directly to Brian Cook because I think he's the safety that's playing the deepest. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of his territory, like giving up those deep plays. That kind of you know doesn't fall directly on him, but a lot of it falls on him because he's back there a lot. And the Chiefs have given up um, fewer than almost everybody in the league. Um, so, yeah, all, all the bright spots there. Uh, before we get to question five, let's take another break right now. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Dirk, I have been wondering, did you know that we're about to be in week 11 of the NFL season? Week 11? This is why I started I mean, to get depressed. I started to get depressed. It's, too, it's, it's going too fast. Uh, look, we got to start to make every second count, not just because it's Patrick Mahomes' prime, but because the season will be over before you know it. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every single game day. You get to bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. Everybody likes money, right? I like money. I like losing money. Yeah. <laughs> New customer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Well, new customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets if you bet 5 bucks on any matchup. So get on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You download the app now using code KCSN. We got to maybe get another code in there, HPKCSN, potentially. But right now, it's just the four letters. Put it in there. See what happens. (laughs) 
New customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL uh, only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. And look, if you have a gambling problem, you got to call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, you can call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In West Virginia, www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, you got to be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Dirk, let's do question five. Huh. Oh, awesome. You stumbled over that like you almost don't have a gambling problem, right? I'm, I'm, if you had a gambling problem, you'd have those numbers memorized. Correct. I know. <laughs> All right, question five. We're going to be quick on this one. Does the AFC have eight of the best 10 teams in the NFL? We were just kind of looking at the balance of power in the AFC and NFC uh, being very lopsided towards the AFC. It didn't start out that way, but I think it has kind of shifted back that way. Um, before the season, eight of the top 11 teams in Super Bowl odds were all in the AFC. Um, I'm going to fire off some contenders tiers here. You just let me know what you object to. Contenders mm. tiers. Yes, yeah, so this is going to be, are they championship contenders? NFC. 49ers and Eagles, definitely. Lions and Cowboys, probably. Seattle, maybe. And nobody else. Uh, I mostly agree. Um, I honestly think that I have as much interest, intrigue about the, uh, possibility of the Minnesota Vikings as the hey. Seattle sea bags. Uh, the, the Dobbs thing is just so interesting. It seems like, uh, Kevin O'Connell is just absolutely enamored with him. Um, Justin Jefferson had a, had a real nice, like, I can't wait to get back on the field. He's all hyped up about playing with Dobbs. Uh, you've got the, uh, what do they call it? The Ewing theory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Saints, Kirk cousins here potentially. Um, but even some Ewing theory because the Vikings went on a run after Justin Jefferson got hurt. Um, so some, Ewing theory. Uh, some interesting stuff going on in Minnesota. I will say that it's, like it shouldn't be a surprise, I think, to a lot of people, despite the fact that they got blown out recently, uh, that Seattle is kind of in that mix, especially after going out and acquiring a Leonard Williams to be able to pair um, with a, another good interior player already. Um, Seattle's got some interesting pieces for sure. Uh, I think that those three tiers, though, you're you're largely correct. I I would say it's probably rather than like the eighty twenty of the the top the the top ten contenders um i think it's probably closer to 60 40 because i do think that the lions and cowboys are like firmly in that conversation i gotcha yeah and i i actually picked seattle in the in the preseason just because i liked them i wanted to be a little different uh i've been a little underwhelmed with Gino. i would say um right now i think i would say the lions i really like what the lions are doing and their defense is better than i thought it would be and their offense is just kind of a machine right now those two running backs the funny bin elect can I say that it's almost feels like the Lions are like ahead of schedule? I didn't think that they would be this good 
And especially when I look at that roster, I still don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong, like Laporta, I guess. I don't I don't know how Josh Reynolds is like a very legitimate number two wide receiver in the NFL right now. I mean, I think I think he's just okay. I mean, Amon Ra is a monster. Yeah. Um, and the running game and then the defense is better than Laporta. I think they just have multiple weapons. I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't look at the number two wide receiver necessarily. Uh, but just the collection of guys. Uh, let's jump over to the AFC here. I've got Chiefs and Ravens, definitely. Eh. Dolphins and Bengals and Jags, probably. Browns, Texans. I wrote this before the game last night. And Bills, maybe. I might have to take the Bills off there. Although, do they get like the, the jump here from firing their OC? And I actually like uh, Joe Brady, the guy who's going to come in and fill the spot so I could see maybe a spark from that. They have a chance to turn their season around by beating the Chiefs. Like that's that's their chance. Um you might not like their chances to do that, but that is their chance to get back in here. Um and then I I would say no on Chargers, Steelers, Jets, Raiders, and Colts, who are all still firmly in the mix. Uh the AFC playoff picture is wild right now. It's basically uh that New England sucks and everybody else is pretty alive. Uh, but yeah, the AFC is wild. Any any big um, obstructions there. Obstructions. Uh, objections. it is awfully muddy. Yeah, objections. Yeah. Uh, Your Honor. Um, well, the Bengals are scary, but I don't. I don't know if I would put them in probably right now. Um, I feel like the Bengals are in this situation where uh, it's a different version of some of what the Chiefs have gone through, but it kind of feels like the Bengals can't get out of their own way a little bit. Um, Five and four each of the last two years when they have made their runs. Doesn't doesn't mean it's going to happen, but they were about, that's what they've been the last two years. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a fair point. I didn't know that. Thanks for teaching me something. Uh, The Bills thing is interesting. I think that Joe Brady was probably overqualified to be working as their quarterback's coach. I think that's why they fired him because they had him there. And I don't know, you're probably going to lose him. Like that, that seems like a hot name. I don't know how he's the quarterback coach there. Yeah. I was really surprised that he ended up in that position. So, I mean, there's plenty of arguments to be made that Ken Dorsey isn't necessarily responsible for Josh Allen turning the ball over uh, at the highest rate since he entered the league. Uh, you get that staff from Nick Wright that like every single year since Josh Allen has been in the league, it doesn't matter. He has the most turnovers since 2017, 18, 19, blah, 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 right? Yep. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I don't know. The the Bills are interesting to me. Uh, them going Jets, Eagles, bye week, Chiefs. Um, that's pretty much their season. That's pretty much their season right there at what, five and five? Five and five. Yeah. And, and Billy Pesto already talking to me about hiring Eric Bienemy, which is kind of interesting. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about Eric Bienemy later. All right. Yep. That's that's down the dock in here. Let's keep it going. All right. Question six. How does Patrick Mahomes follow up the greatest quarterback season of all time? Um, this uh, is an interesting one. I would say it's been his. It's one of his two worst seasons, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this year in 2021. Um, and it's it's so weird to me. I think it's a really fun, interesting conversation that he is the front runner for MVP while having his worst season. It's just like. Just because there's nobody else. Like the NFL MVP discussion right now is 
it's it's fickle. Like nobody has jumped out whatsoever. Um, so we're just kind of listing the quarterbacks of the best teams, even though none of them have really jumped off the page. I mean, it's Hurts is has thrown a lot of picks this year. He's he's turned it over more than he has last year, I believe, already. Um, Lamar, but his stats aren't great. Tua, but he's failed in the big games, and people think it's the system. There's just nobody really jumping out at the top. Um, any any thoughts on the MVP talk? Or I got some some stats here um, on Mahomes' season that might point it to it being his worst. Um, I kind of had some some contextual. This is arguably and and I think honestly clearly his worst season. Um, obviously he's in a close race for MVP right now. I think depending on the site that you look at, he is either one or two, and it's him and Hertz. And then like a bump down and it's Lamar and Tua, as you mentioned. Honestly, I think it just says a lot about the 2023 NFL season. Like we don't think that Mahomes is playing well. And like I I was listening to uh, the Ringer Fantasy show the other day and they were talking about CJ Stroud and how few times he's turned the ball over and talking about Lamar and Tua and all these different guys. And they get back around and at the very end, Danny Kelly's like, I think it's still Mahomes for me. He's just doing more with less and yeah, it doesn't look as good, but like, I just, I, I think it's Mahomes, and like, this is a guy that I, I, he's not like in any way biased toward the chiefs. And I'm like, man, it's just like what national people think. They're like, I guess I just have to go with Mahomes here. It's, um, it's they not, call, they call it like a default pick. Like they, like nobody's, nobody's jumped out. So it's just like, just give it to the best player kind of thing. And I think most it's universally accepted that he is the best player. You yeah. know, that's, that's kind of weird. You just don't see a season like this very often. Um, so I, if the season, this is more a projection than anything. People got to keep that in mind. Like Mahomes is going to turn it on and that's why he's the favorite to win MVP. If it, if the season ended now, I don't think he'd be top three personally. I don't know who it would like Nick Wright's make out here, making a case for miles Garrett. Um, a couple stats here on the season he's had. Um, he had 12 turnovers all of last year. He's already at 10 this year. Um, that's interceptions and fumbles. Um, adjusted yards per attempt. That's basically yards per attempt that incorporates touchdowns and interceptions positively and negatively. This is throughout his career. 9.6 in 2018. 8.9, 8.9, down to 7.6 in 2021 with, with a dip, up to 8.5 last year, and then back down to 7.3 this year. Um, so those two seasons are definitely the outliers there. Um, and then the weird stats of success rate, which is basically like staying ahead of the chains. It's I looked it up. It's 40% of the yards on first down, 60% on second down, or 100% on third and fourth down, if you want to be a nerd about it. Um, but the Chiefs have played 103 games with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, among that sample, the Dolphins game ranked 101st in success rate. And he, none of the Chiefs' nine games this year have ranked in the top 50 mm-hmm. for a Mahomes start all time. Um, but keep in mind that it is a team stat, not purely a Mahomes stat. It's like a team success stat. So like a, the running game struggling kind of factors out of that. Uh, but just some some weird stats. And that stat that I found on my own that I found really interesting. I was, I was doing a little digging, a little diving last night. Number of play-action passes. The last three years for Mahomes, 144, 148, and 143. You see the pattern there, right? This year, 50, which is a projected total of 94. So 50 fewer play-action passes on the year, and I have no idea why. I, I, I can't point to any reason why that would be. I think it's fair to question why they're doing that. 
Um, and if that's possibly leading to his struggles, is that something they're keeping close to their chest and saving that for the second half of the season or a playoff stretch? But the number of play action passes way down this year. So uh, some of the argument, I think, as far as this being Mahomes' worst season, even if you're just looking at like the counting stats, I mean, statistically, his worst year is 2019, but that's because he also missed three games and maybe even four, I think it was three. Uh, regardless, he's currently on pace for 30 touchdowns. He's currently on pace for 14 interceptions, basically two to one touchdown to interception ratio, which is not what you're looking for. Um, the 4,300 yards would be the second worst of his career to 2019, as would his 30 touchdown passes. Here's one small surprise. Um, highest completion percentage of his career, if he sticks at the number he's at, uh, it's 68.6, which rounds up to, Dirk? Hang on. 8.6 rounds up to? Carry the one. 69. Nice. Um, It almost feels like they're including the interceptions in his completion percentage. I don't know. Um, most, most of these things, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of them are hovering around 2021 levels, which just as a reminder, everybody, this is the cover two year when the chiefs went 12 and five, they started three and four then lost the Bengals twice in January because they couldn't seem to figure it out offensively, uh, particularly against Lou Anarumo. And then they traded Tyreek and won a Super Bowl the next year. So, um, you know, it, it's not been like the characteristically excellent Mahomes year, which is why I think so many people are like, don't know how to talk about him. It's like, but he's leading the race for MVP, and it's like, MVP. but I'm watching the games. <laughs> MVP. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he has a whole half season here to turn it around, so um, wouldn't close the book on this season for Holmes yet. I mean, in the middle of 2021, his, those stats would have been pretty dreadful, uh, and he turned that around in a big way, like the final six, seven weeks kind of thing. Right. Um, let's move on here. Uh, number seven, wind does traffic. Traffic? When does Travis Kelsey <laughs> hit a wall? When in traffic do you just want to drive into a wall? Um, and could KC survive without him? Um, so I have a few stats here. This one's sort of re-entering my radar. He had that big game against the Chargers. Um, if he could just play the Chargers every week, I think he'd be Jerry Rice on steroids. Um, unfortunately, he cannot. Um, a few stats here on Travis Kelsey's season. Uh, his snaps are down from 80% last year to 71% this year. His yards per reception down from 12.2 to 10.5. Um, his yards after catch down from 5.9 to 4.9. And his broken tackle stat, which is a weird one to see, but Pro Football Reference has it, so it's legit stats, uh, down from 13 last year to 2 this year. Um, and first downs, one more down from 78 last year to a projected 62 this year. Um so just numbers kind of down across the board. Um, this is not really taking a shot at Travis Kelsey. He's 34 and hardly NFL, any NFL receivers perform at this age. Um, so this is natural and probably expected. I guess the question is, can the Chiefs handle it? What do you think Travis Kelsey at this point? There's a lot going on here, and I think it all plays a factor. Um, 
I'm not going to question his leadership. I'm not going to question his lifestyle. I'm not going to question his commitment to excellence or anything along those lines. Although I do miss questioning him recording a reality show during the NFL season. Um, and he just, you know, flew on Taylor Swift's private jet, who is already one of the number one polluters in the world as far as private jet air miles are concerned. And she's like, oh, Trap, you want to come down to watch my show in Argentina? I'll just send the jet for you. Wait, were those were those advanced stats on Taylor Swift's jet? Is that what that was? Well, I remember, are, you trying to, are you trying to get Mac Kiki back in this? People were trying to like find negative things about Taylor Swift. This was a few years back. And I believe that she was considered the number one polluter because she used her private jet more than any other person on the planet. MVP. MVP. Yeah. Right. Um, most valuable polluter. <laughs> Look, um, I I don't I don't want to question leadership, lifestyle, commitment no. to excellence, no. anything along those lines. But I really, 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 don't say really don't, say don't like his splits with and without Taylor in the building. It feels like the exact type of thing that my stupid brain attached itself to before the Patrick Mahomes era. I would find all of these weird, like superstitious reasons to be like, oh man, uh, this is why we're going to end up losing uh, I can't wear opposing teams' colors during the week that we play them. Oh, it's Eagles week. No green in the wardrobe. Oh, I, every time I go to the microwave, I got to use Chiefs player numbers as my intervals. And, like, I've been able to relax on some of that OCD type of Chiefs stuff. But, man, the the, the the with and without Taylor Swift in attendance stats are alarming. And I really don't like them. I don't want back. Backdoor Kiki just just texted me. She reached out. She's listening live here, um, and she sent me the tour schedule. Um, and there's a huge break, so it goes up till November 26th, and then there's a huge break until February 7th. Um, so we might have T Swift in attendance um, for a good stretch there, but she might be missing the Super Bowl. I'm not sure about the Super Bowl date, but it smells like a Sunday, February 11th, when she'll be in Tokyo. Um, so we might have to get that private jet going again. Uh, get some pollutant going down on this here earth uh, for the for the good of the Chiefs. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Earth. We need it for the Kansas City Chiefs. Just bring Tokyo to Vegas. She can perform in Vegas where the Super Bowl is. Everybody that bought a ticket in Tokyo, she can just pick them up. Hop on the jet. Just pick them up. Let's go. Everybody gets a free ticket to the Super Bowl for coming over. Um... Uh, yeah, hey, actually, great point from Nick. Just let her perform the halftime show. Win-win. Uh, it's a win-win. I do. I, interesting point from the comments. Corey Peter asks how much more our defense is focusing on trying to take Travis away. I do think that, like, he might be, like, just straight up doubled. That's what a lot of the talk has been is, like, teams are basically forcing the Chiefs. Anyone but Travis Kelsey beat us. Let's see what you can do. And so I think that there's something to that. Um, I mean, there also might be something to like just the the travel and and all the different commitments and the age. That's why I said like if there's so much going on here. I think that all of it probably plays a little bit of a factor. But like it's Travis Kelsey and like he's I, I'm not, I'm not worried about him. I do. No, think I mean, that- there's one person I would never question the commitment to this team. 
uh, yeah. Travis Kelsey. Uh, the but, end uh, is the way he speaks about the team, leaving money on the table. I'm I'm all in this for the glory and and winning as much as I can here and establishing my legacy here in Kansas City. Uh, there was no way I would ever question he could he could skip a game and and go to a, a concert, you know, miss a week and go to a concert that week, and I just be like, ah, it's probably the best for the team. I I believe in it. Um, so I I would never question him in anything he does in life. Um, let's move on. Go ahead. I was gonna say real quick, like I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but my now wife, she is absolutely convinced that those two kids are getting married. Those two crazy kids are going to get married. This is what she tells me regularly. And anytime like a a, a new a, a, a new content drops involving the two of them, she's like, "Let me tell you right now, these two." are going to get married and I'm starting to see it a little <laughs> bit. Don't tell her I said that. Um, are we going to, are we about to get some advanced stats on marriage here? <laughs> no, I just, I will say, and I've always been kind of a sap and, you know, having been recently wedlocked, oh. uh, maybe I'm, I'm a, a particularly sappy. Um, I gotta say, man, Travis and Taylor's dad, at a concert in Buenos Aires, him wearing the Chiefs lanyard, and then the the lyric getting changed, and both of them going "Oh!" was absolutely it was adorable. The it was adorable. I don't care what anybody says. That was cute as heck. I mean, the lyric was pretty wild. That was pretty wild. It was good. Um, all right. <laughs> that's, that's good. We'll get on that. There's our what smut, smut, smut report. Smart smut report. People smut. people have been asking. They oh, yeah. They yeah. need more smut. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, all right. Question eight. Who finishes the season as the Chiefs' next best fantasy player behind Mahomes Kelsey? Um, I don't want to spend any time on this really because just listen to our first nine episodes of the season and we talk about the Chiefs' weapons ad nauseum. I do want to... Oh, the answer is Pacheco. He has been the next best fantasy player behind Mahomes and Kelsey, followed closely by Rice. Although it might actually be Butker. I did not do the math on... You know how he factors in having a great season, um, but I just wanted to talk about uh, what we talked about in that preseason because we spent a good five minutes talking about Matt the Bush Man, the um, Bush Man. Good five minutes. I don't know who the hell that is. I was he a chief at some point? I have no idea who that man is. But we talked about him. I did. Uh, I pretended. I pretended to know who he was. So that happened. We both declared Sky Moore our guy. Um, you compared him to Antonio Brown. Um, only me, only me. Only, comparing him to Antonio Brown, we both declared him our guy. No, I think we both, you, we're you, both all in. You like enthusiastically cheered it on. You were like, "Yes, really." <laughs> I like the take. I like aggressive takes. I was not in on the take. I was like, "No, no, no oh, I'm not going yeah. that far." Maybe he's like Golden Tate here. He's not Antonio Brown. <laughs> okay. Uh, we, kerfuffled, we kerfuffled over MVS. Um, and I think you won that kerfuffle. He's been pretty terrible. Uh, and then I shit all over your Justin Roth's parade, who you would not shut up about. Um, and that has been driven off the road here. Um, so <laughs> our weapons discussion did not go well. And it kind of, you know, represents how the Chiefs weapons, the Chiefs season has gone for these weapons. Just um, one, one like small declaration. And like ev everyone, if this is about Matt the Bush, man, I'm, I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up the podcast. It's not. Um, I think everybody is on track here, but like, 
Rasheed Rice is clearly making a case to become one of the focal points in the second half of the season. He has to be. He absolutely has to be. And I think that you just have to tolerate the drops and keep firing the ball at him. Live with these occasional miscues. Like, I think that they just need to operate as if he is the best wide receiver on the team. And whether it's guys like T.O., relax. I know I'm turning Rasheed Rice into a Hall of Famer. Um, or even Dwayne Bowe. Oh, yes, yes, Dwayne Bowe. Um, look, we see guys like this that they just drop the ball sometimes. They struggle with it. And frankly, I don't care if he drops the ball, if he ends up putting it on the ground occasionally. He's still the best guy you got. Throw him the football. I want Rasheed Rice to get like no fewer than six or seven looks a game here on out. There's no excuse for him to have less than that. I think he kind of just had the yips. I don't think he's going to be a guy that struggles with drops personally. Yeah. Um, just the vibe that I get. All right. yeah, he's a he's a he's a vomiter too. Like just vomiter. Yeah. Did, didn't you, you remember the stories? He was throwing up in training camp, and he's like, honestly, I thrown up before like practically every single game. It's not because I'm out of shape. It's just kind of who I am. Um, you know, whatever. I I don't he's fine. I love Rashi Rice. All right, sorry, sorry, I was telling Nick to uh shut up because he said Rice struggled with drops last season at SMU. <laughs> he didn't watch no SMU. You didn't watch no SMU. Don't know what you're talking about. Um number nine are the narrow tackles better, worse, or a push? Uh, than the offensive tackles we had last year. Um, this is everybody's favorite time talking offensive line. This is where we this is where we thrive. Um, another one where I'm not totally really sure. I would lean push or maybe slight upgrade. Um, a few numbers here. Brandon Thorne, uh, who's a trusted voice about offensive line, he had us fourth in the preseason as like the collective best offensive line, fourth best in the league, and he has a sixth. At midseason, he did some midseason rankings. Uh, so mm-hmm. dropped a little bit, but still the sixth best offensive line. Obviously, that is carried by the interior, I would say. Um, but the tackles factor into that, uh, which, and this is kind of funny because we have the sixth highest paid offensive line in the NFL. Um, so they're performing to exactly the, uh, the what they should be. Um, ESPN has us at number one in pass block win rate. I think they did last year too. I don't know what this ESPN metric is. They always have us at number one. It's just like locked in. I don't get what's going on. Um, any thoughts on how the offensive tackles have been? And be quick so we don't have to just fake this like we know what we're talking about. Look, I'm no Brandon Thorne. I'm no Duke Miniweather. I'm no Sully Football. Football? Uh, but I feel like the interior of the offensive line has been a real disappointment. Oh. They just don't feel dominant to me and that's a pretty big letdown i mean just because they're rated super duper highly doesn't mean that they're always going to be able to pick up third and one or fourth and one because i think that they are a different dominant um i think they are mostly excellent at pass blocking uh but you know when andy reed's throwing the ball 61 percent of the time uh, they're never really going to be in practice um, doing a lot of the the running game stuff. And so we got to get the offensive line in rhythm is what, is what Ryan was pretty. Actually, yeah, actually, it's not a bad point. That's not a, I kind of shit on that, but that's not a bad point because I mean, once an offensive line starts to like really wear the defense down, that's, I think that's something they can feel. So I think there is a rhythm to that. Um, going to name any names on disappointing interior linemen? Uh, I keep seeing this stat that Trey Smith hasn't allowed a sack this year or something, and I'm like, yeah, he has. 
I thought he did against the Lions because he was getting beat by Hutchinson a lot, but I guess we didn't allow any sacks, so that would disprove my theory pretty quickly. Um, I don't... I I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I think they're all pretty good. I think Tooney's maybe kind of taking a step back, but generally speaking, you know, I just don't think that they've been dominant. I'll put it that way. I hear you. All right. Question 10. Last question here. Um, what effect, if any, will be felt from losing offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy? Um, I gotta be honest, this is probably one that I kind of glossed over before the season. Um, not as like a shot at Eric Bieniemy. I think he's fine. I think we didn't really know, but just because I trusted all the voices in the in the room, and I just kind of you know we're gonna bring in Matt Nagy. He's been around before. Um, and Andy, if, if there's anyone who knows how to build a staff, it's Andy Reid. So I just didn't, I just thought, you know, the next guy would step up and we'd just replace him and a strong enough, you know, leadership that it wouldn't really factor in too much. But I got to say, as we go on here, this gets more and more prominent of a question every week. Um, You know, you got the commies offense looking great. Got the Chiefs offense struggling this year. Um, Specifically, the run game isn't as good as it was last year. Um are we lacking physicality? Are we lacking attitude? Um, is that something that we're missing? His voice when it comes to that? What are your thoughts on Eric Bieniemy and how it's factored in to the offensive struggles this year? I'm a little surprised at what I arrived at when I was thinking about this question, but based on how he's calling things in Washington, I think that Bieniemy might have been the guy that really challenged Andy to be more aggressive offensively. Um. He has Sam Howell. Yes, more aggressive. Um, I think that and and look, I don't I don't know that much about the commies, but they're back. Sam Howell, number one in pass attempts per game in the NFL. He had that game where they threw the ball fifty-six straight plays. Um I definitely think that Andy needs to lean more aggressive more often, and Mahomes should probably take a few more risks, even with the turnover numbers where they are. I still think that he just needs to uncork the ball. Like, Pat, throw it, stop holding it, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. Uh, Maybe that would be enemy's job. He was in his ear saying that while the play was going on. I don't know. Here's the bottom line. Rhythm is precious, and it's been lacking, and I think that there are some moments, whether it's those marginal should we or shouldn't we punt, kick a field goal, go for it, you know, take a shot at the end zone, all these different things, those like those little margins that show you being aggressive. And I think that if Andy started to lean into those aggressive things instead of my kicker can't miss and my defense is incredible, like the things that are marks of a defensive team um, and an all pro kicker and an all pro punter, um, Andy has all the reason in the world to not be aggressive and I think that sometimes showing the faith in the offense, letting them go out there, try to extend a drive, um, it might be like the jolt that the offense needs. It might be the way to get them into rhythm. And so that's kind of, I don't, I, I think that maybe it was the enemy that was like, Andy, go, dude, come on. Like, let's, I, I, I know coach, I know you want to play it safe, but like, let's go here. Uh, I think that that's maybe what he was. He was obviously also an asshole. Like he was that dude that just challenged everybody. And so when I think about challenging Andy, instead of like being in the players butts, 
I think that that might be what we're missing from the enemy. And don't, don't, the, just come on. He what? <laughs> he's in his, he's in their butts. What, what's weird about that? I don't see anything weird at all about Eric the enemy being in the players' butts. That is a totally normal sentence. Um, <laughs> so I, thank for holding me accountable. <laughs> um, it's, that's kind of interesting. And the first thing I thought of was the fourth down uh, before halftime against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. Um, and they went for that. Or maybe it wasn't fourth down, but, you know, with only three seconds left in the half. So it was essentially a fourth down. Um, and they did not get that. And there's all the weird stuff about, like, you know, maybe Biennemi and Mahomes yelling at each other in the locker room. There's just all these weird stories that kind of came out about it. And I don't know if we really got the true story. And I don't know if there really is much of a story other than competitive people being competitive and, and being angry that we didn't get it. Um, but that is interesting. I mean, that could have been Biennemi pushing for that, pushing. No, let's go with this. We got this play. Uh, we can put this in it you know, before halftime and really in this game. Um, but that is an interesting theory. And I hadn't thought about that leading to that fourth down. I do think Andy tends to get, um, he's kind of had some conservative seasons before and he kind of gets aggressive more in the playoffs. He's gone for some risky fourth downs um, in playoffs when it's crunch time. So I do think he might come around on that. And he might just kind of be building up to the team, you know, trusting everybody, like placing that trust in everybody all season and then kind of helping unleash. Um, all right. That is it. We waded through all the 10 questions. We have... Um, refreshed. We have looked, reflected. Oh, Jesus, I'm I'm getting close to these words, but not quite doing it. Uh, but I am QB two at the host, so you know it's been it's been a little shaky here. Uh, but we have reflected on the entire season. Um, all that we're gonna do now is look forward to next week. Um, Chiefs versus Eagles. A tiny little preview here because it's such a big game. Um, I kind of laid it out all out earlier about everything that's on the table. Um, a really fun game. It's gonna be great to see it. In Arrowhead Stadium, um, questions are about the grass. Uh, I, I heard they're flying out the grass from the Super Bowl last year and putting it in Arrowhead Stadium um, for this game so that the Eagles can really appreciate that, that slick turf, um, make them feel a little more home. Um, mm. what, are, what are your thoughts on Chiefs-Eagles this Monday night? I think that this is probably one of, like, the two or three most important games to the NFL on the calendar, uh, giving both teams a bye week beforehand, um, really allowing them in Monday night standalone, like Sunday night almost usually feels like the real like game of the week. Uh, but it didn't used to be Monday night was, uh, was always the most special. Um, and I think for a long time, there wasn't even a Sunday night game. It was uh, noon and three twenty-five, and then Monday night. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that Monday night's lost its luster, but I think that having this game stand alone, these two, uh, best teams in each conference, as we mentioned, kind of at the top of the show, um, plus the Taylor Swift, plus the Kelsey's, um, you know, all, all the extra zhuzh of it all. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a big game. Um, uh, it's a, it's a massive game and I can't wait. To watch every single second of pregame, I'm going to be on Thanksgiving break. Uh, it's going to be absolutely delightful. Yeah, we get the whole week off. Oh, week he pays to be a public school educator. Well, uh, when I was young, at least when I was young. The, the days off that you get, uh, salary ain't great. Anyway, now, now I'm upset. I, I am upset. I'm I'm fired up. Um, I am. I am. I'm actually like really excited for this game. I was looking at tickets. Uh, the cheapest. 
single human ticket to get in there, according to whatever I was looking at. Probably tickets for less because shout out to them. Many tickets for less. Uh, shout out to you guys. You guys were even supporting Amateur Hour before we were on this big network. Um, good people over there at Tickets for Less. Um, I think it's like 320, 325 uh, to try to get into the stadium for that game next Monday. Um, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot of money. Uh, it is it is an expensive time to be a Chiefs fan. Um, I'm going to get Ryan a wedding present, damn it. Now we're talking. Bless the Venmo, folks. All right. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Um, the Chiefs drop these games often, uh, particularly to AFC opponents. Um, they almost always lose to like Cincinnati or Buffalo during the regular season. And they tend to go pretty vanilla in those games so that they can pull some things out uh, when they inevitably face them again in the playoffs. Um, I don't know how Andy is going to approach this one when it's coming out of the bye opportunity to make a pretty big statement. Um, I don't I don't know. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of ways. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I I I do think that both offenses are really good, but uh, did you happen to see? I retweeted it from the podcast account. Uh, people tend to scroll past Schefter tweets a lot anymore. It's like it's either uh, a like two line actual news thing, or it's some agent speak that's really long and we don't really care that much. Um, he tweeted out a clip from his podcast, and he talked to Trent McDuffie on his podcast, and he was asking them about. You know, you're playing the Eagles. It's a new season, but like, is there some residual from the Super Bowl? Like, are you thinking about the Super Bowl as you're preparing for this team? And one of the things that McDuffie said was, I'll tell you what we're thinking about is we gave up 35 points in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, Spags is not happy about it. We are not happy about it. And we never want that to happen. It doesn't matter if we win the game or not. 35 points is way too many, particularly for the way the defense is playing this year. So, I, I think that they are definitely going to come to play. Um, and, you know, the, the Eagles, there's nothing surprising. And and that's not even a shot at Sirianni. Like, the Eagles are that team that it's like, we're going to do what we do, and can you stop it? Um, and so I think it's going to be, it's it's going to be, a, what, what do they call that? Like a, a battle of wills or something? Um, whatever. I'm excited. I think it's going to be an excellent game. Fucking Sirianni. I, I fucking hate that that Shmohawk. I just, Why don't you like him? He's so smug. You, you don't you don't okay. he doesn't bother you? I don't think that I see enough of him to be bothered, yeah. but his, his faces that he's making and just his smirking and his um, oh, yeah. he's the crown jewel of the Todd Haley coaching tree. He is a little Todd Haley. He is a little Todd Haley. I mean, he was he was like a quality control coach, like uh an interim-level NFL job and Todd Haley's uh, coaching his first staff or whatever. And so I've always kind of like, you know, you know how I was. I, I liked Todd Haley. I was a, I was a Todd Haley guy. I could I could have slapped Todd Haley a time or two. <laughs> uh, but I'd really like to slap Syria. Um, you kind of talked about them giving up those points. The Eagles also did a lot of talking this offseason oh, yeah. um, about the field um, and just about the refs a little bit, a lot of talking. Um, and I feel like that's almost kind of swung it back to, you know, you've called me Mr. Motivation before. Uh, but doing all that talking, it's just like, all right, 
you think we didn't beat you legitimately last time? Like, all right, let's do it again. Um, so I do think both teams are going to come in fired up. I mean, obviously the Eagles are going to want revenge for losing that game. Um, my big question, I guess, uh, the Chiefs defense has been fantastic. Um, but I I kind of question if they're built more to stop like a high-flying offense like Miami. Uh, just because of all those, uh, you know, secondary weapons and spags getting into third down and mixing it up and, and bringing all these different blitzes like that. Are they really built to build to stop like a ground and pound defense? Because um, they're really going to get in two tight end sets and they're going to run the ball right at them. Um, and the the run defense has kind of been the weakness. And Miami, you know, has a really great run offense. Um, and the Chiefs did a pretty good job again in that game for most of the game. But it is kind of it's kind of a finesse running offense, and it's kind of like a Shanahan zone running style where the Eagles are just going to you know run straight at you. Uh, and so I do kind of think they're built. Uh, better to stop like a, a Dolphins type of offense than they are like an Eagles type of offense. Um, so I actually think it's going to be kind of higher scoring. Um, I think the Chiefs offense is going to wake up a little bit. Uh, the Eagles secondary has been pretty poor all year. Uh, it'll be a huge game for those tackles like we talked about. This will be kind of like a, a good measuring point for how um, they've done this year compared to what we had last year. Um, so I think we're going to need the Chiefs offense to wake up and I think they will kind of wake up. And I'm expecting kind of a higher scoring game I'm expecting like a, a game of the year type of game. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've kind of been on the right end of some Chiefs predictions here. I'm going to go, you know, classic barn burner that comes out of the end. Both teams going back and forth. Um, and it's kind of everything that people have been wanting to see this season with offense down. I think it'll be higher scoring. I'm going like 34, 31 Chiefs on this. Um, and I think it'll be. I, I think it's going to be tighter than that. Um, and look, I'll, I'll say this. Um, there are a couple things in there. Number one. Um, I think that Legarius Sneed is going to tussle uh, with A.J. Brown all night long. And I think that McDuffie is largely going to end up seeing Devonta Smith. I wouldn't even be surprised if Spags just said, these are the matchups and you guys are just going to play man on them all night long. Would not be surprised if that's how it goes. Um, Which is I don't know if people recognize it. Sorry, I think A.J. Brown on, on McDuffie in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something to keep in mind with Hertz. He's thrown eight picks himself. They're turning the ball over too. Um, so the, he, he will put it up for grabs for the chiefs to be able to make some plays on defense. Uh, they do have an excellent offensive line, but you can still create pressure and cause havoc, especially with Spags being in his bags. Um, Spags bags. Um, the main thing though, when I think about this Eagles offense, I want people to remember who their running back is. It's DeAndre Swift, and the guy has been great this year, particularly in fantasy purposes, but DeAndre Swift is a slasher. He's the exact type of running back that the Chiefs in years past have struggled with because he gets out in space, and he's very fast, easy to get to the edge. The Chiefs struggle in power running game which to me is more about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts than it is about Swift. Don't get me wrong, the blocking is great, but like not having Nick Bolton against an Eagles running game that is really strong and efficient, that is scary and it sucks. But like typically with a guy like DeAndre Swift, I would be more worried about what he can do in space and the way that Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil and Leo Chanel have been playing and frankly the way that the defensive backs come up and tackle I think that they can continue to slow down this running game for Philadelphia, and it's going to come down to Hurts making plays in the passing game. 
against these corners and those big-time receivers that they have making plays against these corners. It is going to be a battle outside the hash marks. It's going to be going on out there rather than this big-time thing we think might be in the trenches. I think that this game is going to be happening through the air, and I don't think that either team is going to find that much success. I do think it's going to be low-scoring. I'd probably say, like, in that neighborhood of, like, 22 to 17 or something along those lines. And I choose a... I choose a 22 uh, purely out of Marcus Peters and Trent McDuffie love. Even though Trent McDuffie is now number 21, right? He <laughs> <laughs> was 22. Talk, talk yourself out of that one. Um, all right, so well, who's who's winning that? Who scores 22? I don't know yet. Well, people aren't here for you to say, I don't know. That's that's our offensive line takes is I don't know. You can't be a game uh, predicting I don't know. Uh, I'm choosing Andy Reid off the bye against his former team to become the winningest coach in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles. I am choosing the Chiefs in a nail-biter. Uh, highly entertaining, but I don't think there's going to be as many points on the scoreboard. Awesome. Sounds good. I love it. it, it it's too poetic for him to, you know, it, he would be the only coach, right, to lead two different franchises in wins all time? Correct. It's too Correct. poetic for that to happen um, against his former team. It just kind of makes too much sense. Sometimes that means it doesn't happen, but um, I choose to believe in the Disney ending, uh, much like Ryan, who believes in love. Um, all right. I think we're all done here. Ryan, you want to take us out of here? I have no idea how to close a podcast, um, even though I have filled in um, decently. I've, I've done a decent job. I've Chad Hennied it out. Yeah, you have stepped in and performed admirably right around 500, I guess, right? Uh, but we can count on you in the crunch. Uh, folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. Uh, Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers. And really, for all the OGs out there, I can't wait for you guys to see the runtime on this one. You're going to be like, holy crap, they're back. They're back an hour and 20 minutes. Yes, I can't wait. Um, and look, folks, while we're at it, before we actually, 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 actually say goodbye, go buy some of the new stuff. From Sandlot Goods, KCS got a new uh, merch sponsor. Got some good stuff. Got it in the mail. It's looking great. It's feeling great. Uh, so go spend your money on KCSN. Christmas is coming. Uh, and don't forget the big raffle uh, that they do and the thing for the kids. I don't remember what it's called, but Christmas time. Yeah. Be generous. I could slap, I could slap Sirianni with this thing right across the face. There you go. He deserves it. Uh, all right. I will say it again. I'm Ryan Scott. All these darkness. And Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.